We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on? It's Chris, the producer of the Rockpile Report. Need to find us on social media? Facebook.com slash the Rockpile Report on Twitter at Rockpile Report and join us on Facebook for the largest discussion on the Buffalo Bills. Facebook.com slash groups slash Buffalo Bills backers. Hit the music. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Bills make me wanna. Second down and 10, Gronkowski. Preston Brown rides him down near the 31. Gronkowski continues to put a dent in every defense he plays. 23-yard catch and run, first down. Down a good block at the right side. They've got Gronkowski. As he takes it past midfield, takes it to the 49 of Buffalo. 27-yard catch and run. First down, Patriots. First and 10, deep, and he's got Gronkowski inside the 10. Darby brought him down, 36-yard strike, and a first down for New England. Once is in, second and goal, an easy touchdown pass to Gronkowski, a two-yarder. Question, but I have to get better. Uh, you know, Belichick uh, now coached me, no question about it, and that, that's where the game, uh, that, that's how it ended up. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's an emotional game. You should play with emotion, but sometimes you let your emotions get the uh, the better of you, and it, and it went to our detriment. And uh, it starts with me. I obviously have to control my emotions a little better, regardless of how, how bad things were going. Hell yeah, I'm taking it personal. And I'm going to take the rest of them personal, too. I took it personal, too, Rex. I took it personal, too. <laughs> this is Drew Gear with Chris Kruger producing, and this is the Rock Pile Report. And that was Kevin Harlan from CBS.com with the calls and Rex Ryan's press conference at BuffaloBills.com. I hate to say I told you so, guys. <laughs> Chris, I hate to be the guy to say that I told you so, but I warned everyone out there about getting on the hype bus last week. And you know what happened? Here comes a meat wagon. Woo, woo, woo. 
and the medic gets out and says, Oh my god. My assumption is that if the Buffalo Fire Department is finally done putting out the flames, it's safe to start picking through the wreckage and try to see what happened last last week's game and see if there's any survivors left on the Buffalo Bills hype bus. Okay, I said it last week. It's not about how you start, it's how you finish. The Bills were the epitome of that on Sunday. You get up on that first drive and you march down the field. You look decisive, you look confident, you look clean. They marched their way down the field to that first touchdown. My my jaw was dropped watching that. Like I could not believe that we just went down first drive of the game on the defending Super Bowl champions and put up seven. I couldn't believe it. I, I think the last time that we did that, scored on our opening drive, I probably wasn't of legal drinking age. <laughs> that first drive was the equivalent of, a, of getting up onto a chair just so somebody could kick it out from underneath you. That's what it was. It's what it happened. It's, it's what happened. Our offensive futility after that was just astounding. How many? Six straight? Six. Three and outs? Six, six three and outs on offense during the game. <sighs> And I felt like that's what that's what killed the momentum because you put up seven opening drive, Patriots come out. It was twenty one seven before I knew what the hell was happening. The, the Patriots opening drive was a three and out, and you as a fan, the emotion in that place was crazy. Everyone was going wild, and then within ten minutes, it's twenty one seven, and no one knew what to do. Actually, I think it took them into the beginning of the second quarter to get to the full 21, but they hung a beating on us in the first half, and we never recovered. It felt like that we had the same game plan that Pittsburgh had on Gronk and not covering him. He was everywhere. He is everywhere. Rex Ryan was right. We did need King Kong. King Kong was nowhere to be found. We had nobody. It would have taken all of us to come out of the stands and stand in the end zone to keep the Patriots out of it there. Yeah, you had linebackers covering him. I think Jerry Hughes covered him on a play. I saw Darby covering him. I don't know. All I know is the game got one-sided quick, and Tyrod Taylor spoke on that after the game. But like I said, the execution just wasn't wasn't as good as we wanted it to be early on in the game, and uh, we have to clean that up. You're damn right you got to clean that up. It, it killed us, and that's Tyrod Taylor from BuffaloBills.com. 15 penalties. Now, I understand first-year officiating crew, they were pretty liberal with the flags, and it all seemed to be coming towards one team. The Patriots still had 11 penalties to, I believe, Buffalo's 14. So it was was relatively even, but I think from the NFL standpoint, you shouldn't be giving that kind of rivalry game to a crew that's in their first year. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about any of that because you know what? That's that's bullshit. If I can say so, you don't go. You don't. I scream and I scream and rant about bad penalties. Trust me, the whole rock pile heard about it. Sidebar: If anyone sits around section two hundred, row seven, I apologize. I apologize for the tirade of profanity that I unleashed on the world on Sunday. I'm man enough to admit it. It's out there. I'll try to do better in the future. I don't want to blame the refs for what happened out there because we were out of control. Some of those plays, some of those penalties, Kyle Williams said it, it's embarrassing. He was embarrassed after the game because of how, oh, some of the stuff that was going on, unnecessary stuff. 
I don't even remember watching the game on TV and them showing the personal fouls that we had. We had to have like three or four. The personal fouls were real. Those really happened. It was our players getting just letting emotion get get away from them. And Rex Ryan actually spoke to that on Monday. We've got to have that control, the motion, and, and that uh, that aggression and things like that. That we've got to, you know, the bigger the game, the more calm you got to be. And uh, I, I think we got to realize, hey, let's play the game, and and we want to be as physical a football team as there is in the league. We've always said that, but we want to do it within the confinements of the rules. It's there. It is. That's all that can be said about it. You have to find a way to dominate a team physically and not get flagged every five minutes for it. You I, have to. I didn't get to see what Aaron Williams did on the Corey Graham uh, fumble recovery, and CBS then cut to him on the sideline, and Aaron Williams was losing his mind. There was a there, there was a lot of sideline nonsense going on during that game. Between most of those personal fouls occurred when our guys were closer to their side. And even Rex Ryan admitted that he may have got may have been the one who caused one of them because he was mouthing off about the officials on the sideline and they flagged him. So the fact is, is yes, you have a crew. It's their first game. You know, they're well, not their first game, but it's their first year in the league. They're a little bit liberal with the flags, but you cannot use that as an excuse that some other team came into your house and just stomped you. Well, I'm not making an excuse that it's the referee's fault. I'm just, I know penalties are going to be called regardless, but it's a rivalry game. Let them play. I felt, I felt like a, a more experienced official would have let some of that stuff fly. I don't give a damn about the refs letting us play. We let them play. How about this? Bill Belichick completely neutralized our offensive line, rendered our multi-million dollar offensive line completely irrelevant in that game. Are you second guessing? Uh, from our first recording when I said that I don't think the Bills would re-sign Cordy Glenn. I'll tell you this. Bill Belichick is still... I don't know about Glenn having a bad game here today. Here on Sunday precludes him getting a... A new contract. A new contract. But I'll say this. Bill Belichick is still boss hog in the AFC East. He runs the show. He calls the shots. And Rex is not going to out-coach him anytime soon. Glenn had a bad day, but that what team doesn't have a bad day when you play Bill Belichick? You'd like to think that you stocked up on talent. You like to think that you got good at the positions that it takes to hurt him. And what does he do? He comes right back with something new, something you haven't had had to think about beforehand, and you just don't have a plan for it. And that's what happened to us, and we got steamrolled by it. Our corners gave up way too much cushion, and Brady found every open receiver. He's the best quarterback in the NFL at throwing with anticipation. He's throwing the ball, I saw it more times than not. Most of those completions went to guys who hadn't broken into their routes yet fully. But he throws the ball. He knew he had less than three seconds, and he got rid of it. 59 pass attempts. Even in late in the second half, they were still trying to run up the score, which is how I believe we made our comeback, because he was still throwing the ball, and... I believe it was Jerry Hughes that stripped him of the ball. Okay. The second half comeback was nice. And, yes, I do think it was a byproduct of him really wanting to shut Rex up. They hate each other. They do. They, they, they make no bones about it. I'm not going to throw Tyrod Taylor off the bus yet, but he's got to be more decisive. If, if you see... <laughs> it was... 
It, it was a it was a clear day. I don't know what happened to the reception out there, but T-Mobile was just frozen. When he would roll out, you'd see him hesitate. There's that hesitation before he throws the football. Run, damn it. You see it? You see what you see? You've been playing this game for four years now at the pro level and multiple years in college. When you don't see anyone open, you they picked you because you're talented enough to turn it upfield and run. You're a threat with your legs. He showed it last week. Bill Belichick found a way to neutralize that and freeze him in his, and he just pumped and pumped and pumped and eventually stops accelerating when he turns the corner, and that's what kills him. He's got to either commit to that run. If you, you know, check your first and second read. If it's not there, run. He is not the type of quarterback that's going to sit back in the pocket and go to his fourth and fifth reads or third and fourth read and then slide around. No. He didn't even have an opportunity. I don't think he had an opportunity to get outside. No, we Belichick, were fire all Belichick's day. defense kept him contained in that pocket, and he had nowhere to go based on our offensive line play. I, people are looking for a scapegoat for this game. Was it our offensive line? Was it Tyrod? Was it Sammy Watkins tipping that ball up and letting it get intercepted? Rex Ryan had something to say about all that. First off, this, this loss is squarely on one man's shoulders. It's on my shoulders. That's from BuffaloBills.com. It's nice to hear him say what I've been thinking since Sunday driving home from the game. And then, if all of that wasn't enough, if all of that wasn't enough, I planned for an overcast day and didn't put any sunscreen on. And I sunburned the hell out of my lips. And they've been peeling ever since then. (laughs) Even the weather decided to come in and just, just quietly crap all over me. good to get that out i've been avoiding i mean it's taken a lot i've had to watch some bills yesterday i had to watch a bills pump up video just to get out of bed in the morning and i i, I avoided espn i avoided buffalo rumblings i avoided all of my usual haunts for football news because i didn't want to see any of what was going on in the football world well when we were texting on on sunday it seemed like you were one of the people that just fell off the the cliff like blowing the loss way out of proportion. It's just one loss, and that one loss happens to be the, to the defending Super Bowl champions. I had to take it and put it all in perspective. It's just one loss, guys. It is just one loss. Can we get nine, maybe ten more wins out of our schedule? Rex Ryan said it best. <laughs> all, this, all this game means is that on Sunday they were the better team and we won't go undefeated. That's it. That's all that this loss means. We left it relatively in decent shape. I think the come I think the fact that we put points on late, even though the garbage I sh- time. Don't let anybody get confused and think that we were making a quote unquote comeback. We were way behind in that. That game from the, the get go and don't sugarcoat it, we got blown out. But at the end of everything, the fact that our team put up thirty two points, I'll take that. Because I don't know many that other teams. That should win you a game, 32 points. I don't know many other teams in the NFL that have the ability to hang a 40-point beating on us. So I've been meaning to to bring this up on here. Now that we, we dropped 27 on the Colts, 32 on the Patriots, some of that, in, or a lot of that, I would say, in garbage time. As the season rolls on and our offense keeps up that consistency of scoring 20 to 30 points, or you thinking when we get to season's end, Greg Roman is definitely gone for a head coaching job. Oh, absolutely. 
a guy I play softball with, Matt Perziak. He brought it up to me at the when we were drafting for fantasy football. Said it. The Bills make the playoffs. That's great. Greg Roman, someone will come and snatch him up for a head coaching job. He's next on the list. It seems like we're doomed. If Bill, because every team in the NFL looks at it like, hey, if he had success with Buffalo, oh, imagine what he could do with our team. And then here, here come owners and GMs and coaches, and they scoop guys up like him all day long. Yeah, they they want him for they want him for a coordinator position. Great, but if most teams, I mean, who's who's coming up next year? I could I could see the Colts. I could see the Colts needing a new head coach next season. Yeah, Greg Roman would go there. He's an offensive guy. They're he's getting it's, it's right I mean, now. They're off, offen- but he's not young. Their offense isn't uh, you know doing what it should right now. No, after what we did to them and what the Jets did mm-hmm. to them on Monday night. But then again, those are two great defenses. You'd have to put us and the Jets front seven in the top five in the NFL. I think us, the Jets, and St. Louis have a really good front line. Don't tell anyone I said this, but I think the Jets' defense might be better than ours. They have better corners than we do. Yeah, and they paid out the ass for them. And in any event, that leads us to our AFC round, AFC East roundup. So, speaking of the Jets, they once again look like the best defense in football with five turnovers on Andrew Luck. Five of them. That Darrell Revis alone had three of them. The fumble recovery and the two picks and carried him to a huge road, road win in Indy. Yeah, five turnovers? That's a whole hand. They neutralized them in every phase of the game. There was not a, there wasn't a moment in that game where I watched it and I said, "Okay, the tide's finally turned. The Colts are going to get back in this. They're going to climb right in." Because every time something started to go their way, they had the big drive down to the goal line. Gore fumbles. Gore he, fumbles the ball away. He, Gore didn't fumble. Gore just dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, he was nope. carrying it like a loaf of bread. You cannot do that. Ask Carlos Williams if he knows not to do that. I bet you he'd tell you he would. So the fact is, is he made a rookie mistake, and he paid for it with a fumble at the goal line. Now, if you're the Colts and you know that you have been doing a crap job of running the football, why do you line up on the goal line and run it three times? That's a terrible play call. That's on the coach and the coordinator. Yeah, Pep. At the end of the thing, this game, though, was almost worse than the Pats our loss to the Patriots because if nothing else, it gave me a sense that the Colts are less like Hulk Hogan and triple H. Like we like to prop them up because of their last year. They almost made the super bowl. They're less Hulk Hogan and triple H more like the Brooklyn brawler (laughs) (laughs) for all my, for all my older uh, WWF fans out there. You remember the Brooklyn brawler, uh, the famous tomato can. I have a feeling the Colts, I, I get it, last year everyone says, hey, they started 0-2 last year too. This is a completely different type of 0-2. This is 0-2 getting dominated in every phase of the game for 60 minutes. And you think they would be better this year because last year they had no running game. And then they went out in the offseason and signed Frank Gore, who under Greg Roman dominated in San Francisco. It starts in the trenches. It always has. I said Frank Gore was a product of Greg Roman, not not his own talent. 
and you're seeing that now because the offensive line there in Indy is struggling. They're in a, they showed us they showed a, a graphic last night. All of the different offensive linemen that they've tried to shuffle in. I think he's played with seven or eight left guards, six centers, you know, four or five different right guards, three right tackles. They, the only thing that stayed the same was their left tackle. He's the only guy who's held that job, and everyone else has switched around because they cannot find talent there. And then this year, they take their first-round draft pick, and instead of drafting a lineman, they waste it on another wide receiver who's like a poor man's T.Y. Hilton. He's not even that good. Who was their first-round pick? Dor- Philip Dorsett. Yeah, and you know what? He ran a route last night. He threw a great – Luck threw a great ball, and Dorsett ran the wrong route. He's a rookie. You draft a rookie-wide receiver when you're a team like the Patriots, like the Ravens. And I think that, you know, where you can generate offense with your running, you already have a decent running game, and you're already putting up enough points. You can afford a luxury pick like that. This was a team that needed to address its line problems, either defensive or offensive, and they decided to go with neither of them. And it's showing in every single one of their games so far. That's what we talked about uh, in our debut podcast leading into Indianapolis that Ryan Grigson is the one that should be fired and not Chuck Pagano. Grigson is Grigson has murdered that team's talent level. He's he got lucky with Hilton as a late round pick and he picked Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. He's done terrible everywhere else. If you're going to make it as a general manager, you're you're looked upon on what you do in the second, third, fourth round. So the Jets get done mopping the floor with Indy. And now they get another matchup at home this week against the surprisingly soft Philadelphia Eagles. How is it that the Philadelphia Eagles, with Chip Kelly at the helm and their new quarterback and their new running back, are still trying to scratch out their first win of the season? That I don't know if you caught any of the game on Sunday against Dallas. I was busy. That was one of the worst football games I had ever seen. Terrible, terrible play calling by hang Philadelphia on, ta- and on, execution. Are we talking terrible like Bills Browns six to three victory? Terrible. Yes, terrible. Ooh. Philadelphia could not move the ball. the The best part of the broadcast was Dallas had. Uh, fumbled. It was the Tony. I think it was the Tony Romo injury. I don't know. They but Dallas had no. It was Gavin Escobar caught a pass, fumbled. Philly recovered. Next play, Philly has no idea what they're doing on offense, and the center just throws the ball to Bradford and shotgun and hits him right in the chest, and they fumble, and Dallas recovers. But in between, Troy Aikman's broadcasting ability is fantastic. This, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you what he said, like word for word, but it was in the, the context of Escobar fumbles, and he says something along the lines of, "Well, I think you know Dallas's uh, defense will be able to to handle this turnover because they playing been playing a lot better since uh, Tony Romo went down with the injury." What does Tony Romo have to do with the defense? <laughs> what? Him and Joe Buck are the are the best worst combination in football. I I, I I think that the two of them are right up there 
just shy of the status that L. Michaels and John Madden had. Because John Madden would say some of the most bizarre things during a football game, and no one knew what the hell he was talking about. There was one where on, on TV he was talking about the fact that he got mustard on his tie, and it made a, it made a different color. It was a blue tie. He got mustard on it. You would expect green, but it turned into red. And El, the look on L. Michael's face was like he wanted someone to just shoot him and put it him w- out of his misery. It was the best thing I had heard during that game. <laughs> Dallas's defense will be able to handle this turnover because they've been playing so much better since Romo's injury. Well, given the Eagles' lack of punch in the running game or their elite passing numbers, because Bradford's been subpar the entire way, I have a feeling that the Eagles are going to have to wait another week to chalk up one in the win column because I don't see a world where they get, where they leave New Jersey with a victory. You could see this season as being the demise of Chip Kelly. Now, University of Texas fired their athletic director last week, and a, a lot of boosters weren't happy with the hire of who's your coach, uh, Charlie Strong? I think so, Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. Strong. You could see boosters making a push for him. They get the money to do it. Yeah, because your boy Nick Saban almost went to Texas, or there was talk of that. You could see Chip Kelly going to Texas. You shut your mouth over there. You could see Chip Kelly going to Texas. I don't care what Ann says, roll damn tight. So the Jets look like they're in decent shape. They're cruising. They're second place in the AFC East. They're undefeated. They have a they have a soft game coming up, a, a, a winnable looking game. It's yeah, they haven't, be, they haven't played a great defense yet. I if you would ask me if you would ask me at the beginning of this season if we'd be chasing your heels, I never would have believed it. Now on to the Patriots. Now we all know what the Pats did. <laughs> you know, force me to drink a twelve pack and spend the next two days watching just, just self help videos and Bills pump up videos from the offseason in order to get myself out of bed in the morning. That's what the Patriots did. Screw those guys. They get to play the Jaguars at home this week. <laughs> My guess is is that the Jaguars aren't going to surprise the Patriots the way they did Miami. No. Speaking of Miami, <laughs> way to get ambushed, suckers. <laughs> it turns out Blake Bortles can actually throw the football. Their secondary was garbage. I was watching Allen Robinson highlights from that game, and he was just smoking DBs. The the Jaguars went up twenty to, to went up twenty at halftime. Something they put up. Tw- oh no! It was they put twenty points up by halftime. You cannot expect to win a football game. Like I said, like I said in response to our game against the Colts, you cannot give up that many points in one half of football and expect to come out with a victory. You just can't. I believe the term you used was a curb stomping. Oh, curb stomping. They curb stomped Miami in the first half. That defense was awful. In the second half, they made adjustments and Jacksonville went into, hey, oh my God, we're winning. Let's run, <laughs> let's run the clock out and let's try to get out of here with a victory. They went into that mode and it, <laughs> that, early, that early bust on defense just cost Miami the game. I mean, let's not even forget what they did week one. They barely beat Washington. If it wasn't for a punt return, we're sitting here talking about the 0-2 Dolphins. It's, they've struggled to generate any kind of a rushing attack. Thanks for killing my fantasy team. Boo! Which hasn't made life easy for Tannehill. 
And their defense is soft, which you'd think, you know, hey, all the money they put into that line and, well, Sc- they've never had really. Screw Indomitian Sue. That guy sucks. <laughs> well, what I'll say is this. Luckily for them in week three, they get to play a team that doesn't have an de- elite defensive line or a solid rushing attack. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, so the Dolphins face the Bills in week three. Oh, their defense is on the ropes. Their defense is on the ropes. They've got injuries on their offensive line. They've got all kinds of problems, but never lacking confidence. Some clown named Solo D, the writer of such masterpieces as Everybody Hates the Bills, made a song about this week's matchup. Good luck with all of that, Solo D. The fact is, is you're making music videos wearing the color orange and teal. <laughs> no man should ever wear teal. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're built like Fabio. I'm probably, I'd say something to you. I'd at least laugh about it openly. <laughs> openly. Maybe I would po- too. Maybe point a little bit. So coming into this Dolphins-Bills game, it looks like Aaron Williams is going to be okay. I mean, outside of his injured pride. But he hasn't practiced yet this week. So he's probably not going to play, which is going to leave Corey Graham and a combination of Meeks, Rambo, and Williams to kind of patrol, Duke Williams, that is, to patrol the back line, which I think is going to encourage the Dolphins to take deep shots early and often. Do you think you think Brex is going to start Bakari? I feel like you almost have to. He's... He has completely outsnapped. He has completely outsnapped Duke Williams to a point where Bakari Rambo is clearly their favorite at that position. I feel like Rex has uh, more confidence in uh, playing Bakari Rambo than any of the other backup safeties that we have. Well, it, it shows. Bakari Rambo has 102 snaps compared to Duke Williams playing 12. Well, we are going to be in Miami this weekend, so Duke Williams might be hanging out with Mia Khalifa. <laughs> he might have hit Twitter. <laughs> Try to hit her up and invite her to the game, throw her some free tickets. <laughs> he tried to slide into your girl's DMs like, what? <laughs> Way to go, Duke. Oh, you know it, though. She's staring at her inbox going, who the hell is Duke Williams? <laughs> He doesn't have money. I don't want any of that. (laughs) Oh. On the injury front for this week's coming game, the Finns look like they're going to, they're probably going to be without Brandon Elbert, which isn't a shocker considering he rarely ever plays. What about Jordan Cameron? 
Well, that he both he and Lamar Miller haven't practiced yet this week. Lamar Miller caught an ankle tweak, and he told everyone that, hey, I could have gone back in the game. Well, here's the question then, Lamar. If you could have gone back in the game, then why didn't the coaching staff put you in? Is it because you're ineffectual, or is it just because you were actually hurt and you're downplaying it? Either way, I don't care. Yeah, it kills my fantasy team, but I'd, I'd like to see him get smoked this week. I hope they do start him, because he's done nothing through two weeks. Cameron... Cameron has been, you knew he was a, he was kind of brittle when they were getting him. When they signed him and let Clay go. That was stupid. I so said stupid. I said it. I'm like, it's going to be a countdown. Waiting for that guy to hurt something or injure himself. Concussion. Or get a concussion. And it's already starting to show. Now he can't, he's got a groin injury this time. Brandon Elwood with a hamstring. So, so far it's been a knee injury, a hamstring injury, a wrist injury. He's was he worth the investment at left tackle? Think about this. You naysay Cordy Glenn, but what happens when our left tackle can actually play every Sunday? And you see teams throw millions of dollars at guys guys who are hardly on the field. I mean, let's see. Uh, Tennessee Titans threw a lot of money at Andy Levitre, and well, he just he's- sucked. He just got there and sucked. He wasn't very good. He was injured and tried to play through it, and it didn't work. And now he's... A great move by us to let him go. I don't know if he's... Well, think about that. We also let go... Me and a guy at work were talking about this today. Jarius Bird. Looking back on us not re-signing him, the Saints signed him, and it led to the implosion of their team because they were so far over the salary cap that they had no choice but to get rid of everybody who mattered. Jimmy Graham. And now you're looking at an 0-2 Saints team. With an injured Drew Brees. (laughs) With a hurt Drew Brees. They're going nowhere quick. The Bills have some guys who are injured up as well, though. We've got Hughes. Hughes has a wrist. Carpenter has an abdomen injury. Schmidt hurt his hip. (laughs) Taylor has a chest injury. They're all they're all practicing. We've got Williams not practicing. I think they held out Shady just as a precaution, and McCoy also he had a little bit of stiffness in his hip, and we all know he's had problems with that. So he's gonna they're gonna give him some rest on that front. I don't think that any of our injuries are serious, other than Aaron Williams. We have Robert Woods. Why the hell isn't Robert Woods seeing the football? If anyone out there knows. Greg Roman, can you remind him that there's a receiver that wears a jersey number 10 on the he's on our team? He might like to catch the football once in a while. He's yeah, he, actually pretty good at it. He does run great routes. And he's got good hands. I just don't understand it. They've they've relegated him to like backup backup duty. And it doesn't make any sense because he really he really really is trying to get in the game. Think about this. They've got 96 snaps for Percy Harvin and 81 for Robert Woods. How is it that Percy Harvin, who wasn't even on this roster, doesn't know anything about the rest of the players on the team, comes in here and alligator arms a pass badly. Badly alligator arms a pass yesterday. Well, yesterday. God. Sunday. Yeah. And badly alligator arms a pass on Sunday. And yet you do not put Woods in the game. Woods is a gamer. Woods is fiery. He's feisty. He, I mean, he got thrown out of a game last year for throwing punches. The guy cares about the game. He's not a hothead. He just cares. And he's a great possession receiver. Plus, Percy Harvin, Harvin is only here on a one-year deal. 
Well, think about this. If you're trying to move the chains, you go six, six three and outs. If you're trying to move the chains, you don't need the fly route game breaker that Percy Arvin is. You need a guy who can get open underneath and catch the ball for, for significant yardage to move the chains. That's Bob Woods. That's I don't understand why they're not using him. And I, I have a feeling if they continue to neglect him, not only is it going to come back to haunt him, but it's going to make him that much harder to re-sign in the offseason. Is he a RFA? Mm, he's a, he was a second-round pick. He's going to have two or three, he's three, years. three years. He got drafted the EJ Manuel year. One of the things we have working in our favor, though, might actually have not seemed like it a few weeks ago. And Dominican Sue is a part, is reportedly running his own defensive plays. <laughs> when they asked him about it, he said the defense needs to go back to the drawing board. I've got a new slash for you, Hansworth 2.0. It's week number two, and your defensive coordinator has a board, and he expects you to shut up and read it. Football's a team sport, man. So um, I got to put the law squarely on the shoulders of my supporting cast. Look, man, I've been carrying these guys the whole season, but I can't do it all. I need some help. That guy's no better than Leon from the Budweiser commercials a couple years ago. Chris, you're a huge Indomitian Sioux fan. Why don't you tell us what's going on with him? He is such a cancer. He's got all the talent in the world, but is a huge locker room problem. He's just right now going about his own business and getting no help anywhere. He's listening to his... uh, Defensive coordinator? No, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to line up under center and run straight and try to diesel Eric Wood on Sunday. Not going to happen. It's it's crazy to me to think that this guy comes in, and I mean, this is coming from credible sources. This isn't just hearsay. I mean, there's articles on Pro Football Talk, on the Finsider. There's all these... <laughs> There's all of these random things being thrown out there. Other players speaking out to the fact that they have no idea what Sue's doing. They don't know. He's just out there doing his own thing. They do know that he makes a lot of money, and apparently that's all that Sue cares about. That guy's a waste. And on the other side of the ball, the Miami offensive line has just been under siege. And without Elbert, it's not going to get easier. Juwan James, he's a young offensive lineman. And he struggled here and there, you know, like you would expect a young offensive lineman to do. And then they went and spent their first round pick on a wide receiver with a foot injury who has yet to make any significant impact in the game yet. Both of those guys need to step it up ASAP because every game it seems like it's coming down to special teams play. If Landry doesn't run that punt back for a touchdown, they lose that they lose that Washington game. I mean they lost by or they won by seven, so if anything, that game's tied. and mm-hmm. At the same time, they lose the Jacksonville game by three. You don't want your game hinging on a field goal. They needed a field goal to force overtime in that instance. And then Olivier Vernon goes in and commits a penalty for 15 yards and just gives them the ball in field goal range to ice the game. The, the season right now for Miami, they're costing Joe Philbin his job. He's getting fired at the end of the year. If they don't turn it around. Now, they think that it's going to start against us. No. They think this is the turning point of our season. I don't think it is. I don't, I don't see how we lose this game. Unless don't we have, say that. Unless we have some massive penalty-filled game like we did against New England. They have to keep it. 
I'll tell you, here's the keys to Sunday. Keep a clean pocket, establish a running game. Those that That's one of the most important things right there. We can put their defense on their heels. It's going to keep their cornerbacks from teeing off on our wide receivers. It's going to set up play-action passes. Maybe we can finally get Sammy involved early and really set the tone for the game. Second off, press their wide receivers. Okay, Their offensive line has not been good. Our pass rush is dominant. We need to get him. This week they have, a, they, they have to make a statement game this week. Our defensive line does. They have to play clean. They have to play tough. And they got to come out and dominate up front. This week, our defensive line, I think, should have a lot of chances for sacks because they have not had that yet this year going up against Luck and Brady who get the ball out quick. And I think this week against Tannehill, we'll start to see the, the sack numbers that we've seen over the last two years from us. We can only hope because we're going to need it. Third, third point, clean up the penalties. We cannot have a double-digit penalty day against these guys. You can't give up free passes to yardage. You can't do it. You can't do it and expect to win games in the NFL. It didn't come back to bite us in the first game. It ultimately came back to bite us in this one, and we saw it. Right now, we're leading the league's far, the league far and away with penalties. That has to stop. It has to, or else there's no way we're going to get to the win total we need at the end of the season to look back and say it was a success. And finally, I think we're all going to have to just try and stay sober enough to enjoy the post-game celebration when, you know, there's more Bills fans left in the Sun Life Stadium stands than there are Dolphins. Oh, yeah, nobody goes to that game in the, Miami. The Miami fans are just, I don't know what it is. Beautiful weather, They're bad. warm. They are bad people. They're bad people. <laughs> <laughs> the Dolphin fans are bad people. Wow. That I... I I look at Miami as our number one rival. Just growing up, you know, being, you know, early teen watching Kelly and Marino duke it out. That was the the rivalry, and it still sticks in my head that that's our main rival. I hate Miami with a passion, and Miami fans are bad people. I don't know whether you're right about good or bad people, but I just opened up the Finsider.com. And one of the first pictures you see is some fat guy. Solo D? No. So, oh, oh, no, worse. Some fat guy wearing a 55 jersey, a giant, can, a giant chain, arm sleeves that are teal and orange, and an orange and teal luchador mask. It's fantastic. He's a bad person. <laughs> Whoever that is, is a bad person. Oh, God. So we... Just, just look at around the NFL. I, things are a lot. The first two weeks have gone a little bit differently than I thought they would. They really have. Seahawks zero two. <laughs> the Seahawks. If you would, if I would have bet you a paycheck, the Seahawks would be two and zero and not zero two. The Saints would be. The Saints are zero two. You've got some of the better teams in football that look painfully mediocre. The Colts are zero two. I mean, think about this. You look at percentages to make the playoffs and how it changes based on your current win total. Week over week, that's going to fluctuate. Right now, the teams that are 2-0 and in the AFC, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Patriots, and the Jets. The Broncos have done it in a way that I didn't expect. Everyone's used to seeing the Broncos win 
by putting up points that the other team can't compete with, and it just makes them one-sided, kind of like what the Patriots did to us. Instead, Peyton Manning has become the most accurate game manager in football because his arm is toast. But what you're seeing is a defense that's coming up and making timely plays. Yeah, Think about it. That fumble return. Their game. A fumble return and an interception return for a touchdown have sealed their victories. They're winning with their defense, and so if and when Peyton and that offense finally gets rolling, because I think it all stems from the offensive line, to be honest with you. Their offensive line's not good, especially with that Ryan lady. But once they get rolling, they're going to be back to at least above average. They're a 60. So the Bengals, the Broncos, the Patriots, and the Jets right now, if you look at the numbers, are a 63% chance to make the playoffs as of today. With a one in four, with a forty one percent chance, we've got the Bills, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Chiefs, Miami, Oakland, Pittsburgh, San Diego, and Tennessee. All these teams are one and one. I would have assumed that Tennessee, with a rookie quarterback and a defense that got manhandled by everyone they played last year, they would be zero and two already. So to see them above in their division rankings, above the Texans and the Colts. We only have two 0-2 teams right now in the AFC. Well, three. Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens. They have a 12% chance to make the playoffs. Based on history and based on everything else, where teams with that record fell. For us, I think right now with our schedule, this is where Buffalo has to rip off a string of victories. Oh, we have to. Dolphins, Giants, Titans, Bengals, Jaguars, Dolphins, Jets, and then Patriots Monday night before Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's well, we all knew though. Think about this. If I had told you that we were going to win, that we were going to beat the Patriots and lose against the Colts, you would have accepted that, right? I, our first two games, that's all I could ask for is okay. one and one, playing two of the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in football. And the rest of our schedule outside of seeing Tom Brady again. Mm-hmm. We don't really see that uh, that much of an elite quarterback. We do have the Cowboys, the second to last game of the season. That's Ro- always, Romo that's, should be back by then. That's always our defense's Achilles heel, is the elite quarterback comes in and just carves us up. This year, we don't face a whole lot of those, which should do well. Think about this. Week three, we go into a game against the Giants. They're 0-2. That'd be week four. Well, week four. They've blown... They've blown fourth-quarter leads. Fourth-quarter leads to lose both of their games. And when Odell Beckham Jr. comes out of the game, their offense struggles to generate any kind of movement. That's going to work well for us because I think you can put him in double coverage and just force him to find somebody else to beat us. If Victor Cruz is back in time to play for that game, it changes the dynamic a little bit. But I don't think that that team has the the horses to, to hold up with us for four quarters. No, and with our our pass, I think our our pass rush will will say a lot well, over the course of try, the season. Well, I think what they'll do, but, but I think the Patriots showed every team out there the blueprint for neutralizing our line. The question is, do you have the quarterback and the wide receivers to pull it off? Yeah, because the Patriots had fifty nine friggin' pass attempts, and they ran the ball I think fifteen times. Yep. Don't try to run it to run it at us because we're just going to stuff you in the middle. And we'll catch you on the outsides with their speed with their linebackers and everything else. So what you got to do is quick slants, quick slants over the middle, little pick plays on, you know, running your routes. 
That's how you beat the Buffalo Bills. And I'm sure teams are going to try it. It's just whether or not they can execute. Week five, Bills-Titans. Okay, Here's a team with a rookie quarterback. You've talked about it before. Rex Ryan against rookie quarterbacks, they're not ready for the defense he's about to bring. No. And the the first quarterback to throw a touchdown, mm-hmm. the first rookie quarterback to throw a touchdown against a Rex Ryan defense was E.J. Manuel. Yeah. I think that those are two wins right there. So I think that if we can handle business this Sunday, that gets us back into a place where we're talking more about where we stand in the division and not having these conversations about what a tire fire our line is or where everything stands. I think we got out coached in the last game. We totally did. And I think he's going to learn from that. We can only hope. And he's going to move forward. And our team is going to move forward. And our fans are going to move forward. And it's going to start on Sunday. We need this division game. And I think if we can win, it's going to, you know, it's going to build a momentum for the streak of games that we have coming up, which we can clearly beat any of these teams in our schedule up until we when we play the Patriots again. All it's going to take is execution. The fact is, it just has to be there. I think I think Roman will be able to to have an excellent offensive game plan for these next handful of games. Yeah, I've got faith in Greg Roman. I think he's going to rebound from last week, and I think he's going to come loaded for bear. I think Miami with their, so far their defense has proven to be soft. I think our line play is going to have to prevail, but I think he's the guy to get it done. And I think we manhandle these guys this week because we need a statement game. That's all the time I got for today, folks. Everyone out there better be glued to CBS this weekend for the Bills-Dolphins game. It happens at 425 p.m. and it gets called by none other than my man, Spiro Ditas. Spiro. If anyone out there has something you want to say or you got a question you want to ask, you can hit us up on Twitter at Rockpile Report or Facebook.com slash The Rockpile Report. And you can join us on Facebook for one of the biggest Bills support groups this side of Bills Mafia, Facebook.com slash groups slash Buffalo Bills backers. I'm Drew Gear. This is Chris Krueger, and this has been The Rockpile Report.